0: not just a treatise on the gospel. He's not just writing this so that so as he's explaining what the gospel is, he's writing this for a purpose to, to encourage them and to any of the saints who read this letter. We should read this and come away not just for the better understanding of the gospel, but it be encouraged at this point. And in, and in order to encourage them, Paul is writing them as the a gospel this, 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 it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, and as we've said, and, and we've said that this salvation is not just from the from the penalty of sin it's not just the get out of hell free card that the, that the gospel is more than that it, it is also deliverance from the from the from the presence and the power of sin and and, and you know so this is this is and it's so important that we that we understand how this applies to this and how this encourages us and you know as we've talked about this that that by, but when we misunderstand these terms you know we said that we use these terms all the time, and, and sometimes we're not wrong, but they're just incomplete. You know, we, we've talked about grace so much in our church, and and, and, and you know, and, and you ask if we can. Cons- I'm just curious. What do you think would be the percentage if we asked the churches? If we went today this this morning, and went to all the churches in Blunt County, and asked every member of those uh, every. Person sitting under a, a a preacher this morning, what does grace? What is grace? What percentage would say what's a gift or something you don't deserve? What ninety five percent, ninety nine percent? I mean that would be that would be just the answer, right? I mean, I mean that, that's what I grew up believing. I mean I, that's what I would have said. It was just a gift. It's, it's it's getting something you don't deserve. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. And it's not that this is wrong. It's just incomplete. You know, but when you know what it really means, that, that it is that divine influence of God on your heart, that, that, that then you read Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and you see that what, what difference that it makes in that understanding. And, and sometimes a lack of understanding of what these words actually mean have huge impacts. Huge and it can change so much. And yesterday, as we met, we talked about one of those. As we were discussing uh, Joshua Harris. Uh, for those who have not heard, um, Joshua Harris was he's, he wrote uh, kiss dating Good- I kiss dating Goodbyes almost a decade or gosh almost two decades ago now. Yeah, scary. Um, as a young man, um, he had grown up uh, in, in the church, and he wrote about about uh, uh, this, how, how to, that he was not on a date, it was about courting. And he believed this from the scripture, and and, he was, and it was recognized And he spoke in so many, so many conferences. That, that's what he did, and he ended up uh, uh, joining the Sovereign Grace Church, that's where his family was. He became a pastor there, and, 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 and um, ha, has been leader of that church for several years. He'd been, he was married, he had, what, three or four kids? Four? Four kids, I think. Well, this week, in a series of articles that came out, that uh, he was walking away from his church, uh, from his family, he was divorcing his family, and and, uh, his wife and and the kids, and uh, most importantly, his God. And uh, he even went so far as to apologize to the homosexual community for what he'd been teaching and and the root of this, at the very root, of course, was was his he was uh we have to we have to, you know uh about the the this, his relationship with the homosexuality with the church, the very root of this was a horrible understanding of sin. You know, as part of that, not, not it was of course the root it was was unbelief in and, and degeneration. I'm not meaning to deny that but but a big part of this was this horrible understanding, misunderstanding of sin. He believed that sin was his list of things. That we do, and that there's some worse than others. And he had this hierarchy, and he said the very worst was homosexuality. As opposed to, and as we've read through Romans, as we study studied that, Romans taught us that sin is failing to give God the glory he deserves. Sin is believing the lie instead of the truth. Sin is failing to acknowledge God as God. That's sin. That, and that's the sin that all of us do. And all of us, in our unbelief, do the same sin. And there's not one worse than the other. That is our sin. And that, that that these acts we do, it's when we've been given over to a reprobate mind. And that homosexuality, just like the failure to honor your parents, just like gossip, just like adultery, just like all these other... is that... Is that being given over to a reprobate mind? And so he he was he was in the impression that this is the worst. Thing you, do. you can't do anything worse than that, as if that's somehow worse than failing to give God the glory He deserves, failing to recognize God as God, failing to believe the lie, the truth instead of a lie. So this this this. It's so important that we understand what what's what, what's going on and just what these really mean because they have. Impact and they change us. All of us commit this sins, and they're the same sin. We pray that we're not given over. But back to Romans. In order, in order to encourage the saints in Rome, Paul teaches us about our justification, and we need to understand what that means. We've talked this before. That justification, this process of being declared right or just or legal, it's been on the idea of the law, that this that this is that God is declaring you just or right. And Paul told us in chapter three that our justification is a gift from God through the perpetuation for our sins by Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We have been justified. God has declared us righteous. That was his gift. And it was not our faith that justified us, it was God who justified us. This was what he did. It was his work and his work alone. And as we read in chapter 3, also all of our work of circumcisions, all of our work of, the, uh, of obedience does not add to our righteousness because they are done by faith. They are not done in order to add to our righteousness and our works of uncircumcision or or un, our works of, of, of that are not according to the to the uh, writings of uh, the works of God, of the law of God. Do not remove our righteousness because they are done through faith. And now as Paul is explaining this, he goes back to the Old Testament to show what that looks like. That, and, uh, and this is so important, first of all, to recognize that Paul's not teaching something different than what it has always been. This is not like, well, we got the Old Testament, now we've got the New Testament that's different. Paul says, no, this is the way it's always been. This, look, this is, this is in the Old Testament. And so it's, so he's taking the Old Testament and he's saying, it applies here. This, this gospel has been here. It's been there. And you need to see it. So he goes back and he, and he opens up his book of Genesis. All the way back in Genesis and tells us the story of Abraham. And says, look, it's still there. It's still important. And he says in chapter 4, verse 1, what, we, what then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? You Remember Abraham? He was the, he was child, the by the flesh. He is the first. All of us are his, part of his descendants. All of us. Let's go back and what, what, does, what about him? What about him and his life? For if Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. So what does faith and righteousness look like in Abraham's life? What did Abraham gain in the flesh? What did he get out of of, of all this in the flesh? Nothing. Abraham's works and obedience gained him nothing. Abraham has nothing to boast about. And here's the important part. This is good news. This is the encouragement. The encouragement is Abraham had nothing to boast about. And really this is the message for this morning. This is where this is where it's important. Why? How and why is this encouraging? To find out that Abraham is has nothing to boast about. How does that encourage me this morning? How does that impact me? How does it impact you? And then if it is good news and if it and if it is to be encouraging, how do I know that it applies to me? To us? How how does this fit to, in our lives? How do we make the, how do we know that this It's about us. So Paul goes back to Genesis, chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. And he pulls up this story about about Abraham. And he says, we need to know this. Because Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And and so the question is, what did he believe God about? How was it counted to him as righteousness? What did that mean it was counted to him as righteousness? How does this encourage us today? So as we go back and read Genesis 15, 1-6, starting in verse 1, Moses writes, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. That gives you an idea that it's real early in his walk. It's not Abraham yet. We don't have the covenant yet. We We haven't seen the fulfillment of the covenant yet in Abraham's life. That's yet to happen. We have, the, you know, the, the, the huge covenant where, where, where God by himself walks between the split animals. We, Abraham hasn't seen that yet. But, but so he's still Abram. And the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And here's this, this, this promise. God said, fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be great. Shall be very great. Sorry. Well, Abram's sitting here He's saying, God, I have followed you out You told me to come Here I am in the middle of uh, 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 of Palestine And yeah, I've I've got a lot of stuff I mean, I've been to to Egypt And I'm really rich I I have all this stuff But God, I'm an old man And it's not going to last And you're telling me my reward will be great Listen to, just kind of. In, I'm interjecting here, Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and must believe part of the, important that he rewards those who seek him. Sort of a coincidence, don't you think? So, so here he has, he said, "Your rewards should be very great." And, and, and for, for if Abraham's going to have to faith, he's got to believe that God rewards him. But he's looking around and says, but Abraham said, Oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. God, okay, I've got enough to eat. I've got a place to sleep. I've got a wife. You know, what else you going to give me that's worthwhile because I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm getting ready to die and I've got nothing that's going to carry on past me. I've got no children. I've got nothing. My name was going to die right here. What are you going to give me? How, wh- 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 this is what's, how are you going to reward me? And Abram s- said, Behold, you have given me no offspring and remember my household will be my heir." Somebody who works for me is going to get everything I own, God. It's all, I can't take it with me. I'm going to die. He's going to get it all. How is that a reward? And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. He won't get it all. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside. Look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your offspring be. He said, said, you look around and all you see is this worker, this this, 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 member of your household. You think he's going to get it all when you die. No. Go outside and look. Look up in the stars. And the answer is, and he believed the Lord. And And he counted it to him as righteousness. Notice, he did not say he believed God about the life and works of Jesus Christ, or he believed that God would supply sacrifice for his sins. It says he believed God, period. God said it. Okay, God, I believe it. I, I'm going to trust you in this. You said that, you, that, that, that you're going to reward me, that, you're gonna, that I'm going to have more airs than the stars in the sky. Okay, I'm going to believe it. Even though it doesn't make sense, and because he believed God, he was counted as righteous. And, and even when it doesn't seem possible that God can do this, even when it seems unlikely, he believed God. So when he was asked to sacrifice his son Isaac, he believed God. You th- I mean, think about this. God had said, I'm going to give you more children than the stars in the heaven. He has one son. And then God says, oh, by the way, and I want you to sacrifice him. That's not a test of faith. But the response is, he believed God. All right, God. And, and then Hebrews tells us, of course, that he believed that God was going to resurrect Isaac. Now, there's an important part you have to recognize in this that's so easy to overlook. Up to this point, as far as scripturally, how many people had Isaac, or how many? Sorry, how many people had God resurrected up to this point? The story of Abraham. Zero. He couldn't look back and say, "Well, he resurrected Jerry's daughter. He resurrected, you know, the the, the widow's son. He resurrected, you know." He, he can't look back at all those and say, "Oh, so God's going to do my son too." He had no biblical support for this. He, he, he said, God's going to have to resurrect my son. And he's like, and, and I want to go to Abraham and say, Now, Abraham, um, what gave you the idea that God was in the resurrection business? I don't know. He just But that's got to do something. Because I believe God. That's it. I believe God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. He was counted as right. God looked at him and said, This man's righteous. Because he believed me. Now, his faith is not a righteous act. His faith is not righteousness. And this is important. It does not say, he believed God and this was righteousness. It says his faith was counted as righteous. Righteous means to do the right thing, to do the lawful thing, to be right. Right. Righteousness is that state of of being right, of doing the right things. And so, when he believed God, it is credited or it's counted as righteous, but it is not righteousness itself. It's not an act. To believe God is not an act that you do. It's not a righteous act that you're doing. He was just counted as righteous. And, And God said... He believed God and is counted as righteous. So it's very important. Abraham's faith was not a righteous act. Neither did his faith make him righteous. His faith, his works, there's nothing he did that made him righteous. Look at the 26th Psalm as well, as so we flip over there. 20, Psalms 26. David's writing this, the Psalm of David, his first opening. Here's David's David's prayer in this. Vindicate me, O Lord. This is this is this is a a, a a prayer. Vindicate me. Make me declare me righteous. Make me show me as righteous, O Lord. For I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind for your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. He's not saying, look at all I'm doing, Lord, so I should be righteous. He's saying, no, God, this is your work. You have to do this. I'm dependent on you for righteousness. I'm depending on your work. David's hope is in God's vindication. And that's what he's praying for. Not depending on his own works. Abraham's Hope is in God, not on, his, not on what he's going to do. Righteousness or justification is a gift. It's a gift. Romans 3, 23 and 24. For we we'll all have sinned, and we're talking again. This is all who believe. This is within our church. This is all of us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You know, I have to to admit, it hit me this week as I was looking at this, thinking about this. I have done myself a huge disservice by only memorizing Romans 3.23. I'd always just memorize that first part of that and and miss that that incredible promise of 3.24 and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus it is a gift you cannot earn it as it goes on now to the one who works his wages are not counted as a gift but his due if you're trying to work out your righteousness it's not a gift if you're trying to earn your righteousness, if you're trying to to add to your righteousness it's not a gift and this is scary this is really scary that says, I can't try and double up. I can't say, I'm going to try to work out some of my righteousness. I want, I, want, I, want, I want God's righteousness in this area, in that area, in this area. And I'm going to do this over area. I, I've got this one on my own. I, I'll take care of this part, God. Now that part over there, I'm going to leave it up to you. I'm going to depend on your righteousness for that. And this one, I'm going to work out. It doesn't work that way. I can't do both. It's either fully God... And his gift, or it's up to me and you in our work. It's one or the other. It doesn't work. We can't have both. And, you know, it's funny. As I read this and I studied this, this part, up to this part, this is the part I kind of was, was, was used to in this verse. This is where I kind of had, 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 you know, read and understood and, and, and been taught. But as this goes further, and, and, this, and um, this is where the other half of this passage really hit me this week and last week. Because Paul doesn't end with, this, with the example of, of Abraham. He looked at Abraham and said, yes, Abraham's a great example of what it looks like to, to, to believe God and have accounted righteousness. But he goes on, he brings up David. And, and David's scripture in Psalms. And is that other shoe, so to speak. So what about the message from David? He goes on, And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. The one who does not work, the implications are the one who has no good works, but believes God, justifies the ungodly, his faith is also counted as righteousness. This is an amazing thing, isn't it? I mean, we should really say, "This is amazing." See, Abraham's works did not add to his righteousness, so he has no room to boast. And if someone who does not work is kind of just as righteous. Paul goes on and quotes the psalmist. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord won't count his sins. Here's the, here's the encouragement. This, this is where, I think, this is where we should find our hope and encouragement to read this. Remember, we wanted to find out how and why not being able to boast with encouragement and how do I know that it applies to me We can boast because it does not depend on us. It's a gift. God is the one who justifies. He is the one who declares righteous. And all of my good works, all of my efforts, all the things that I'm doing cannot add one iota to my righteousness. It either comes from God or it completely depends on me. But that also means It completely depends on God, and I can't take away from my righteousness by failing to trust in Him. It's a gift. And because it's a gift, it does not depend on me. This is the encouragement. This is the good news. You have no room to boast. It it all depends on God. God is the one who declares righteous. God is the one who does the justification. And so he says, Abraham just believed God and it was counted to him as righteous. David wrote, blesses the man whose law of these are for not considered a hold against him. He also says righteous. Our righteousness exists completely apart from us. And that's what I love about that song that really hit me this morning. On Christ, on on. on what? Solid ground. This is the solid ground. On cross the solid rock I stand. All other is sinking ground. His covenant, his oath, his blood. That's my only hope of righteousness. It's either what he did, I either accepted by faith, or I don't have it. So, so the fact that, that Abraham has no room to boast is great news. And at the same time, I think it's scary news. What does it mean that if Abraham boasts? What, if, what does it mean if Abraham boasts? I mean, he did it. He's trying to do it. He's trying to work it out. He, it, it's either, remember we said, it's either all God... Or it's all you. But what does it mean when we boast? It means we're trying to work it out. I got, I'm, I, look, what I, look how I've done. Look how I'm growing. Look how I've done in my life. Ooh, that should be scary to us. We should hear that and think, oh, what, am, what am I saying? Am I trying to make my righteousness dependent on me and what I'm doing? Is that what I'm trying to do? Am I trying to say, it depends on me so that I have room to boast See, because the problem with that is I can't just boast about my good things and ignore my sins over here either. Because if it depends on me and I think I can boast because of the good things I do, what happens to the sins and the bad things that I do? What happens to my righteousness then? If I think my worst can add to my righteousness, what does that mean about my sins? And I got, bad, I got news for you. If we're comparing my sins to my works of righteousness, guess which one wins? I'm in, I'm in trouble. You know? it's like I'm trying to fill up a, 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 a gallon jug with a teaspoon that the bottom's been cut out of. You know, doesn't work real well, does it? So I better just depend on Him for all of it, and not try to boast, because I definitely don't want—I definitely don't want my sins held against me. I definitely don't want that. So this is the encouragement. This is the good news you got nothing to boast about. So how do I know that it applies to me? And the answer is, do do I believe God? See, Abraham believed God, and it was counted in his righteousness. Do you believe God? At work, do you believe God at work? And all the situations come up at work, do you believe God? That he's sovereign over all this? that he's in charge, that he has a plan for all that? Do you believe God? Or do you believe, man, I've got to work this situation out. I've just got to work it out. I've got to do it. It's got to make it all work. Because it depends on me. Oh, wait a minute. I'm in trouble. Danger, Will Robinson. It doesn't depend on you. Do you believe God and have it counted as righteousness? How about with the government? you believe God? Do you believe that God is sovereign, that God has raised up every single leader in this country the way he wanted to? Man. Now again, I, 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 I hear you. I too want to say, are you sure about this God? Really? You, this one or, or that one? Do we believe God? Just out of curiosity, what would be evidence of believing God? Or more importantly, what would be evidence of not believing God? Worry? Complaining? Backbiting? Anxiousness? If I believe God, am I going to worry? I believe that if I believe that God's really in charge of this, God's sovereign, God's raising up who He wants to, God's doing all this and and I'm just trusting him in this, am I anxious? Am I worried? Or am I just trusting? What does it look like to believe God in this situation? We live in incredible times in our country. Our government and we you know You read the news, and it's just, it's amazing some of the things come out of that. You know, as as David was talking about with our military, and and we know that, that, you know, the military is God's minister to to defend our country. And we're hearing 30, you know, a rise of 30% of, of, of suicide, and we're thinking, we don't need the enemy, we're killing ourselves. Do we believe God in this? Are we anxious and worried? Do I believe God even when it doesn't make sense? When I, when I look at something and I say, okay, God, you say this is the best. I'm going to trust you in this, but I'm gonna, but God, I look at this and this does not make sense. Sort of like Abraham and Isaac. The story of Abraham and Isaac is we said, it didn't make sense. God, why should I kill the promised son that you said is going to be my heir, that you promised... Remember, you came to me, you, you were the, you were the, you, you came to me and, and said, this is the one you promised, and now I'm taking the to kill him? You believe God even when it doesn't make sense? Do I believe God even in my unbelief or sin? Do I believe that God can justify the ungodly, even me? That's, that's, that's the amazing thing about that verse, I think, that, that David, that Paul wrote, that, that, that he trusted God to justify the ungodly. That would include me. So I think sometimes, I know personally, and, and this is a personal testimony, I know, I know that my, that my righteous, that my deeds, do not add to my righteousness. I, I know that. I, I feel, you know, I've given up on trying to add to my righteousness. But sometimes it, when, I, when the sins, when I do the sin, it's hard for me to trust God in that. And I want to beat myself up over that and say, oh, man, I, you know, instead of, and, 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 I mean, I should, and I do, um, repent over my sins and, and remorse over my sins. But do I believe, that my justification, my righteousness, my standing for God is first and foremost because of God's work and what he's done. And that's why I think it's hard for us, for me, I should say. But I believe that God justifies the ungodly. You know, I want to have the Lord's Supper just a minute. And this is that picture of this broken body and the, sh- and, and, and the blood And do we believe God that that that's it? That that's, that's all that we need? All that we need for justification is that broken body and that covenant, that new covenant that was made in his blood. Is that enough? Or do you have to add to that? Is that enough? Or does your unbelief take away from that? Is that enough? Do you believe God... When he said, This is my body, is this a remembrance of me? Do we believe God even in that? All these promises of God, do we believe him? Do we trust him in this? When when Abraham when Paul looked back at Abraham's life, and he said, Abraham believed God and it was counted him as righteousness. This wasn't just about the promise of, 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 of Jesus. It's just that. Does he believe God? Do we believe God has control over our lives in the future and we can trust him with it? Or is it our job to do it? He believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. An amazing, amazing promise. As our habit will now we'll have a word of prayer as we prepare our hearts to participate in the Lord's Supper.